open my iPad case to a slightly digested peppermint. <laughs> Wonder where that came from. <laughs> from God. <laughs> Could be. Oh, uh, yeah. We're finding all kinds of little things we didn't expect to find. So, I have an interesting um, task today, I feel. I want to, I feel the Lord has instructed me to take a few moments and just give a little bit of a recap, a year at a glance, where we've been in this past year. If you're a guest, you know, some of the stuff's going to maybe, because you, you won't have some of the pieces to fill in, but you'll get maybe something out of that portion of what I feel God's called me to do today. But I feel it's important because, you know, God's building something. And when you're building something, you lay one stone and then you put another stone upon that stone and there's, a, there's, a, there's something that God is doing. And if the more we can be aware of what He's doing, we can figure out what our part is in the overall plan and the picture of God. So I wanted to take just a few moments and give kind of a high-level recap of some main themes, things that have uh, been on God's heart and that we've spoken about and, and hopefully received from throughout this point because of where we're heading. You know, it's important to identify where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. And uh, so let me just pray. Father, thank you today for your heart for all creation. Thank you today that we are not an accident that we're alive for such a time as this and that your plan and your purpose for our life are the most fulfilling, satisfying thing we'll ever engage ourselves in. Lord, I thank you today for just opening our hearts to see what you see. Help us to understand what we need to understand for this place where we find ourselves. I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, <clears throat> really some time back, I received a burden, if you will, a God burden. Um, when you use the word burden, you know it's not like this heavy thing. It's more of a, um, an impression from the Lord. Something that's on God's heart lands on our heart, and we start feeling what He's feeling. And I had this sense from the Lord that He really wanted us to slow things down and get reacquainted with the person of the Holy Spirit. Some of you were here when I passed out a little card. I, I, I announced to the congregation that, you know, we've been going through a lot of changes, a lot of logistical things. We've got new property. We've got all these things. And we actually engaged a consultant. And then, and I saw all these eyes go. And then I handed out some cards because on the card was the, the phone number and the address of the consultant and who they were and a little bit of their credentials and so on. Business cards. And so even some of my core leadership around me, Eric was going, oh my gosh, Rob didn't tell me about this. He's got these cards, he's getting ready to hand. We hired a consultant, I didn't know about that. You know, like all these little attitudes going on with people, it was great. <laughs> Till they looked down and the name on the card was Holy Spirit Inc. Our consultant. Quite competent, quite a resume. Let me tell you, when you stop and check out his resume, this guy has some major success stories. I mean, he's just really done some good things. So we, you know, once people started reading the cards, ah, the atmosphere changed in the room. We were on a good path. So we spent some time 
talking and learning, but not for the purpose of just talking about, but for having a relationship with. And I'm telling you, there is a big gap between just talking about God and having a relationship with Him personally. Isn't that, I mean, to me, that's the greatest part of the gospel message is that God wants to know us and us to know Him. You know, I don't know how you measure Christmas success. Some people measure it by how many gifts they got and how expensive this and that. But I'm telling you, it's about relationships, isn't it? The first one with God Himself. And then people around you. When those relationships are there, it's a beautiful thing. When they're not, it's a painful thing. Same thing with God. And God is wanting to be our friend and be our helper the holy spirit he's come to reveal things and give us advice and guide us through life's most difficult places and so we started the year off reminding ourselves hopefully that this is god's desire now if it's god's desire you know then we don't have to work this thing up he's there knocking Really, it's just a matter of receiving the invitation and allowing the Spirit of God to have some access into our lives. Relationships are built on an opening of our hearts. The quality of a relationship, it can be real surface, topical stuff, or it can be deep and meaningful. Always risk involved with relationships, isn't there? Let me tell you, with the Holy Spirit, you'll never be ashamed to let him in he's the greatest friend you'll ever have he'll stick with you when nobody else will he'll be there when your best earthly friends aren't there for you there he is such an amazing god we have so we began in that flow and then we we hit a lot of different things that kind of came out of that but one was was that it kind of brought us back to the core tenets if you will of the vision of this local church and i'm not going to you know, for those of you who've been around here, you could probably get up here and do as good or better of a job than I with it because you've heard it many times. But the simple truth was this, that God has an end time strategy for the earth. You know, you look around at all the chaos, all the problems, and you think, what in, God, what are you going to do with this? This is a mess, man. And you can almost be tempted to think that God is absentee. Where are you? You know, I mean, look at the world, man. Don't you care? It's kind of like the disciples in the ship. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And he's sleeping. You think, well, God, what are you sleeping for? Because I'm not wringing my hands. I'm the living God. I'm over it all. And you have such little faith. And we kind of dive, dove into this end time strategy a little bit that Jesus has when he stands up on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in John's Gospel, chapter 7. And he says, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, Jesus speaking, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow a river of living water. Now you say, okay, that's nice because your church is called Living Waters. Let me tell you, this church isn't called Living Waters because we just thought it was a good idea. <coughs> Trust me, I tried the good idea list when it came to naming this church. I went down through a whole list of great, flashy, cool names. And none of them had the witness of the Holy Ghost on them until I finally let it go and I woke up one morning to the words, Living Waters. 
And the Lord began to speak to me, and you've heard it many, many, many times. Many of you have heard it. But just the simple recap is this, that God's desire, because it says, out of your belly, if you're thirsty, come to the person Jesus, not to a denomination, not to a movement, not to a bunch of you know, Christian hype or whatever. Come to the person. Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come to me. So much of our Christianity has moved people toward movements, organizations, and denominations, and non-denomination denominations, and all kinds of stuff. And God's saying, let people come to me. I'm the only one who's going to satisfy the thirst that exists in every human being. You can try all the other stuff. None of it will ultimately satisfy but the person of Jesus. So we've got to get weed through all that stuff. And once that happens, once you've come and you've drank of the Lord and you've been refreshed by the Lord, he said, that person, out of their belly, he that believes on me and begins to trust in me is going to flow a river. And then it goes on and it clarifies, I love this, of what the river is. It says this, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, which should be given to those who believe, but he had not yet been glorified, so he couldn't, you know, give it yet. But now he's glorified, and those who believe have the privilege of the Holy Spirit, right? So here's God's end time strategy. There would be a people in the earth who out of their innermost being, that deepest, most meaningful part of you, would flow a river of life, right? A river of life. And that river is God himself. I really can't help you today. You can't help me today apart from the Holy Spirit. You know, people put their hopes in a person, in a preacher, in a whatever. Oh, if, they can, if I can get to them. Let me tell you, your hope and my hope has to be in the Lord himself. So, in that place, God's end time strategy, Zechariah 14 and 8, in that day, talking about the last days, living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, a picture of the church. It's going to be in summer and winter. It's not conditioned upon the world climate. You know, so many times we think, well, uh, I'll start letting these things happen once my world gets in a little better shape. Let me tell you what, the Holy Spirit's ministry actually thrives in the worst scenarios. <laughs> The most difficult of places is actually the most, it, it, the Holy Spirit loves it, you know, because he's the impossible God. He does things that no one else can do, and there's no question as to who's going to get the credit. So we shouldn't let circumstances, governments, economies, you know, personal circumstances, world circumstances, be the limit on what we're going to do and not do for God. So out of our belly is supposed to be flowing. As we're drinking, we now become a dispenser of what we're drinking in of the Lord. So, we asked this little saying, if it's supposed to be flowing, how's it flowing? It's a good question. Is it flowing in your life, or is it all stopped up? You got it clogged up with cares and other things. How's it flowing? Where is it going, and is it growing? We asked ourselves. You remember that? Yeah, we're going to be talking more about that as time moves on, because I believe there's something very simple about that little saying but very helpful if we'll use it to allow God to say, you know what, God, today, I want the flow of the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't want to just regurgitate old stuff. I don't want to just hand out dead, dry things. I don't want to give people yesterday's manna. 
that's bread worms. I want something alive. I want something fresh. I want something that can revive the heart of those that are just downcast and broken. Come on. I want a move of the Spirit of God in my life. And I'm not going to settle for dead, dry religion. Can I have an amen to that? That's the heart of God, and it needs to become our heart. God, we're believing you in this year for a great flow of your Spirit through each of our lives. And then of late, you know, we, we did go through a series of teachings, if you would remember, on the Great Supper. Remember Luke 14, the Great Supper that the, the, the Master created, and he sent out the invitation. Everything was set, table was set, and he goes out, and there's these groups of people who are too busy, very polite people. They're nice and polished on the outside. Please have us excused, is their answer, their response to the, the servants who come to invite them. And they go back and tell the master, those you invited were preoccupied with other things. And the master became indignant. He was angry in a righteous kind of way because of the value of the meal. All that was prepared. It was such an injustice for people to count what they were doing as more valuable than what he had provided. And Jesus is the one telling that story. And Jesus finally says, go back out well you know he's talking about the master of the feast which is a picture of god he says go back out and find the broken find the halt the maimed the blind find those that are the world has just said are not important find them and invite them to come and here was the resounding message because my house is going to be filled now it might not be filled with those you think but it's going to be filled with those that God thinks because God looks into the heart. And when God sees someone who's thankful, who acknowledges, you know what, I'm, <laughs> I don't have it all together. I think the problem for most is, I have, I'm putting myself right in the mix when I say most, I think the problem for most is we think we've got it together enough where we don't really need the Lord. We kind of do, but, but we can manage on, a lot on our own, you know. And when that happens... And the invitation comes, we've done, you know, we've built our own little kingdom over here that we're enjoying and working. And the problem is God wants to enjoy life with us. Things were never designed to be a distraction. They were designed to be a point of contact where we could celebrate with the Lord, enjoy the Lord, but not get taken away by them. So the house is going to be filled, according to Jesus, with broken people who don't even question once they get the invitation there's no argument with them there's no excuse making with them the broken are those who say here I am Lord let me come so they come so we've got this great Holy Spirit who wants to be our friend we've got this invitation to not only receive and drink from him but to actually participate by having life flowing through us then we've got this participation to come and be at the table of the Lord, to be a part of the intimate inner circle of God. Who's your inner circle? You know, it's amazing, amazing isn't it, how uh, social networking today and friends, you can accept them or reject them. And if you don't treat me well, you're gone. <laughs> Say something bad about me, not my friend anymore. Isn't it wonderful to know that God has accepted the friend request? Come on. 
Have you accepted his friend request? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to accept it because then he can see all my pictures. If I let God, if I, if I go ahead, now some of you who don't do Facebook, you're looking at me like, see, when, when I, I, it's, it's, let me just give you the simple, real simple understanding <laughs> of how this works. But if, if you see somebody out there, you look up their name, like an old high school friend or something, look up their name, and then they appear, and you can actually say, hey, you can send them a little message, friend request. And then it shows up on their account, and they go, oh, that's Rob Goyette. Nah, pass. Or awesome i haven't seen him in a long time and if they reject your request okay then you know it can be very limited as what they can see it depends on how you've set up your facebook page and so on but there can be limits on what they see and don't see but if you accept and you give them access to who you are more and more i think it's going to matter that this relationship with the lord is unhindered God, I want to see everything there is to see about you. And I know it's okay for you to see. You already do anyways. You know, God can hack into your life in a heartbeat. <laughs> Got it all figured out. Sees everything there already is. So you might as well just accept the fact that he wants to be your friend. He's a good friend. Then we went on to, and of late, this is where we've been is we've been looking at the throne of God. And the way we got there was because of the end of the age, all the troubles going on in the world. And, and at the end of the age, we see God in the book of Revelation isolates an apostle, the apostle John. He's in a really difficult season. He's in prison on an isle called Patmos. And there, while in this really hard season of life, the heavens open and God gives John a revelation. It's really the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says to John at a certain point, John, come up here because I want to show you things that are about to happen. And immediately it says that John was in the spirit and the first thing that John saw, remember we're talking about things that are going to happen, they're getting ready to happen, was what? Come on, the first thing John saw was a throne, a place of authority, and then he saw someone sitting on the throne God himself there so you want to know what the end of the age is all about and what it's going to look like and what to expect and we've said it over and over again here it is again God seated on his throne not the devil the devil's not in charge of world circumstances and all that stuff and I know for those of you who come here this is awful redundant but you and I need redundancy amen won't be long, you'll be down the road somewhere thinking your whole world has gone unglued. Come unglued, everything's a mess. And if you can remember, wait a minute. Wait a minute. God is seated on his throne. He's not an absentee God. There was a throne and one sitting where he was supposed to be on his throne. And then, as an extension of that, there were 24 thrones around the throne of God. And on those thrones, there were people seated, elders, the Bible says. And we took time to talk about the fact that that represents, that's a prophetic symbol of the priesthood of believers. Now, some of you might be going, I'm lost, Pastor. Well, just hang with me. Every one of us 
has not only been called out of darkness into light, but we've been called into a ministry. A priest, you think, well, I thought you were kind of the pastor-priest figure. Well, guess what? No. Yes and no. Because no, the no part would be, people want to say, there's the pastor, there's the priest, there's the one who kind of, you know, the, the traditional mindset of what a priest is or a pastor is somebody who stands before God on behalf of the people. So I'm here kind of providing a spiritual covering for you and that I'm spending time in prayer and study so that spiritually speaking, I can almost be kind of like a go-between at times for you because you can't hear God and you're in a crisis and you need some counsel or you need some help. And so the traditional mindset kind of gets people looking at the pastor or the priest or the, the person in that leadership role as kind of like the stand-between. But the truth is not so much. Really, God's intention is that a pastor or a minister of the gospel is supposed to be there as an encourager of your faith so that you won't put your trust in them, but on Him. If they're doing their job the way they're supposed to be, they're constantly moving you to Him, not to themselves, not to their own little network and their own ministry. You can discern the spirit of a thing, I believe, based on that. Based on that. Who's, who are you being told to lean on? You know. So in the context of all of that, we actually are called priests, and kings. We are. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to read a couple of these verses to you, but you've got to see this because here's where we're going. I said all of that. <laughs> you know. We've got a consultant, the Holy Spirit. We've got a tremendous calling to come and drink and to know the person of Jesus personally. And after we're drinking, and as we're drinking, I should say, because it's not a one-time thing, it's a lifestyle. As we're drinking, and as we're trusting and believing... Out of us is flowing a river of life for other people. And with that potential is a calling to come up and take our seat around God. That means that in our lives, God should be at the center. You see? So God's not absentee from his role. And he's looking for us to be in our role where we are. Now, if you're interested to get the scriptural backing for the idea that these are priests around the throne or a priesthood of believers, go on the internet. You can go to our website. These messages are up there. I, I, I think I would probably burn up all of my time today trying to explain all of those pieces again, but I feel it's a very solid principle in the scripture that those 24 seats represent the priesthood of believers. Very solid. Not just kind of a random arbitrary idea. That said where we're heading into this new year. Starting on the 10th of January, uh, two things are happening. We're launching what for us has been an annual time of fasting and praying, okay? And uh, this year we'll begin on the 10th, which is a Sunday. Sunday evening, the Berean School of the Bible, Dr. Wins will be teaching on living victoriously. I have to say this to you, a little side note, time out here for a second. Don't miss the opportunity God has set before you. Please hear me today. Dr. David Wins, many of you maybe don't yet fully appreciate the caliber of man this is sitting with us in this congregation. He actually serves as a presbyter here now, like a, a, an extended covering, if you will. If anything ever happened to me, he and two other gentlemen that are not involved in the daily operational stuff 
would actually come and assist this congregation and navigate the congregation through that next phase should such a thing ever happen. I felt there was wisdom in, in having guys like that around me. But this man has been through a lot, carries tremendous substance, has affected thousands, I, would, I could almost say millions of people, or at least a million perhaps, I don't know more, in Africa and beyond, ministried for many, 25 years helping pastors in Africa set up in different locations they had campuses in different places tremendous influence he's a tremendous teacher he's got his British style but I'm telling you there's such substance in this man and with everything he's just walked through his wife passing on a lot of real recent things was diagnosed with prostate cancer and just finished a whole series of treatments this man is walking through the fire and like John on the Isle of Patmos in a difficult season, I believe the Spirit of God wants to say some things about living victoriously. I would really, really, really encourage you to carve out your Sunday evenings. It's $20 for a 10 class, not $20 per class, $20, that's two bucks a class. Hello, that's cheap. But I'm telling you, I think you won't be disappointed. God's going to invest in you. And I have to say that not because I'm trying to get big crowds here to make him feel good. I'm saying it because I believe you'll be missing God. That's a strong word, I know. I learned some things the hard way. God sent people along my path, and I was busy. And later on, it, it hit me what I had given up in exchange for something that now was not helping me at all. And I believe we have that kind of opportunity. All right. Commercial's over, I'm back. <laughs> Got to get back where we were. So, which was the throne. The priesthood of believers. This new season, on the 10th, we push off into a 21-day period of fasting and prayer. And... I want to get us positioned and ready for this because we're a priesthood of believers. That means it's not just the pastor praying. It's us together operating as a priesthood of believers, which means we push together. We pray together. We minister together before the Lord not the pastor and you watching and I'm not saying you're that way but I'm just saying there's a tendency in our western Greek mindedness you know a lot of our, our western Christianity kind of has a Greek flavor to it which is person up front people listening on the receiving end as opposed to being a participant in the kingdom and this is a time to see yourself for who you really are if you haven't already people called into this wonderful thing so on the throne we've got so much that I tell you, I've had, you know, just pages of stuff coming to me that I, I'm having to sort out. And I'm saying, God, how and when do you want to talk about that? But right now, as we're heading into this season, so many facets to the throne of God. That's why I think these 24 seats are all the way around the throne. They're all seeing something unique, right, about who God is and how he is. But one of the important revelations about the throne of God and being a people who say, God, I want to see you on your throne. I want to know the authority of that throne. And I want to be in my throne, my small throne. Yeah, you're the king of kings. 
You're the Lord of lords. Big K, little K. Big L, little L. But don't despise the fact that you and I are called to be kings, to rule and to reign. So his throne is a place of ruling, but it's also a place of acting as a high priest. And we have been called into his priesthood. I want to read to you just a couple of scriptures. Please, if you've got something to write with, jot these verses. Make them a part of a meditation as we head into this season. Zechariah chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. This is a prophecy concerning the coming Messiah at that time who we now know has come. But this is what the prophet Zechariah said, Zechariah 6, beginning verse 12, says, And speak to him, saying, So says Jehovah of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, that's talking about Jesus, and he shall spring up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of Jehovah. Even he shall build the temple of Jehovah, and he shall bear the majesty now listen to this and shall sit and rule on his throne and he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between the two of them see this for what it is this is the prophecy about jesus who would be coming and it says this this is how you're going to know his ministry He's going to be on his throne. We've got that picture in John with the, with the throne of God there. On his throne. And he is going to be clothed with majesty. There's his kingliness. And he is going to function at the same time as a king. He's going to function as a priest on his throne. Did you know that right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father ever living to make intercession or prayer for us we think well it's finished he died he rose from the dead he's sitting down doing nothing wrong idea of who he is he's actually seated right now as a priest on his throne well guess what those who are around the throne have been called priest with him Not in his place, but with him. We are a part of his priesthood according to the scriptures. It's an effective priesthood. It's a living priesthood. It's a now-needed priesthood in the earth. The earth needs people standing in the gap as a priest would stand in the gap in prayer and intercession and believing God for salvation and life to come. So I'm giving you some verses. Here they come. 1 John 4 and 17. 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, how is he? Come on. He's seated on his throne as a priest. As he is, so are we in this world. So the same way he is on his throne is the same way we are in this world. We're seated in authority. We've been received authority. And we've received a ministry as priest before the Lord. Familiar verse, here it is, 1 Peter 2 and 9 and 10. 
1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you, Peter speaking to the church, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That's why, by the way, those guys seated on the thrones in Revelations chapter 4, all those 24 seats, they're wearing crowns and they're seated in a spot. They're a royal priesthood, a holy or set-apart nation, a peculiar people. That means that this does not look like the world. It's peculiar not to God. It's peculiar to the world. It's so radically different. Instead of being self-absorbed and everything's about me, 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 this people actually have the heart of God and they're laying their lives down on behalf of those things that are most important to God, which is people. Peculiar people. And then check this out. That you, not the pastor, but you, because we're a priesthood, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now check this out. These people sitting around the throne are not a bunch of hyper-spiritual people. These are people who were rescued. These are like that great supper crowd, you know, who were broken and nobodies. It's not like we have it all together. And we just saw the mercies of God. You who, who, were, who were not a people are now God's people. You had, who had not obtained mercy have now obtained mercy. And he's saying it's that kind of heart attitude that will be my priest in this hour. Not an arrogant, flashy, looking down on people, critical, judgmental style of a priesthood. But we're talking about a people who've been there and can have compassion on those who find themselves stuck in this hour. A prayer, a, a kind of prayer that's coming out of a, a humility and a brokenness, but it's full of hope because you've been delivered you can help deliver somebody it's that kind of priesthood hebrews chapter 4 beginning in verse 14 just catch this theme because i want you to see you on your seat as a priest as we move into this new season together you have been called i have been called together god at the center because that's how we're going to focus ourselves during this fast we're going to have times of worship Morning worship's going to kick off again, 6 a.m. I know that's early for some, but there it is anyways. 6 a.m. in the morning, 6 to 7, we're going to gather around in a circle. We have a guitar, and we sing, and we minister to the Lord, and we let the Spirit of God help us. We're going to have other opportunities for worship and prayer, gatherings and such throughout that month. Beginning on the 10th forward is when the real push will occur. Okay, At least that's how we understand it at this time. So <clears throat> Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's jesus that is passed into the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin now check this out let us therefore because of what we just finished saying jesus you know he was touched he's not like this god who doesn't get it you know i mean you think well god that's easy for you to say because you're up there and i'm down here but no no he said i'm going to erase that argument and here's how i'm going to erase that i'm going to come right down there 
and I'm not going to be born in a palace. I'm going to be born in a stable. I'm going to know what the manure of life is like. I'm going to know all about it. I'm going to come and be touched with it all so that nobody can say I don't get it. And that in that place, you'll see that my heart is so tender and so real and so intimate with you, not distant. And from that place, I will serve as a priest. That's concerning Jesus, and that's concerning us. So we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses, our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us, because of that, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now please, don't check out on me. You've got to hang with me here. This is important, really important. We just finished reading in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are a people who were, you weren't, weren't a people, but now you are a people. And you had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. So if you're a born-again Christian, we've already received mercy. God's mercies so what is this talking about when it says now because Jesus is on his throne seated there we can boldly approach his throne of grace to find help and grace but it's not finding it for us so much as it is finding it for others we boldly now I'm, I'm not saying you can't go there in times of need absolutely but I'm just here to say this is a picture of our priestly ministry on behalf of others let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy let me add this and i think i've got the spirit of god as i say it that we may obtain mercy for others and find grace to help others in time of need do you see that let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find help that we might find grace, that we might find mercy. I've got, I've got mine. That doesn't mean I don't need more. It doesn't mean I'm not going to have times. Of, I'm just talking about we miss the heart of our calling because we're so wrapped around our own stuff. And I'm telling you, sometimes the quickest way to get free of your stuff is to get your eye off of your stuff and let God put his heart in you for somebody else. And as you're ministering to somebody else, your needs will be met. Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things you're worried about will be added to you. Don't get your, your, your lens on the wrong thing. The throne at the center, you're a priest. God, what's on your heart? And whatever's on your heart, because I'm around the throne on a seat, a priest with you, what's on your heart now is my heart, should become my heart. Let's say it this way. Your priorities are my priorities. I'm your servant. <laughs> it's not like, you know, anybody ever want to go ahead and sit on the throne in the middle and have everybody looking at you? Yeah. Could I get a glass of water, please? Uh, I need a little, you know. I mean, our culture fosters such a mentality. Let me be at the center. Let everybody camp around me and let everybody serve me. It's a broken model. I just got to say, it's broken. Put God at the center. Find your place around God. And then God's priorities become our priorities. And by the way, 
Whatever he has ordained for my life will be more satisfying than anything I could ever scratch out on my own. You'll either believe that or prove that. But it is what it is. That is a fact. God actually wired this thing in such a way that when we're in the will of God, we're most satisfied. When we're out of the will of God, we're troubled, we're anxious, we're frustrated, there's a lack of peace. All these things are the fruit of being out of our place. But in the place, it's amazing. There's peace, there's grace, and there's joy. At his right hand, come on, somebody help me. There are pleasures forevermore. All right. So here we got this picture. Great high priest, gone up into the heavens. He's a sensitive high priest. He's not a distant figure. He's been touched with our feelings. He knows what it's like to be human. And he's seated there and he says, now because of all of that church, let us come boldly unto his throne to find grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The earth is teetering on absolute chaos. It's already there in many places, but I'm telling you, it's not reached its full potential of chaos. It's teetering. In a moment, we could be thrust into the whole world, could be thrust into absolute chaos. And guess what? Christians are going to have to decide if they're going to be a Sunday-going Christian or they're going to be a part of a priesthood of believers who are actually awakened to their place in God on the earth for such a time as this. A time to stand in the gap. A time to have God at the center and to take all the other junk that we've thrown into the center and put it where it belongs. Doesn't mean it doesn't have a place. It just shouldn't be at the center. That's the problem. I mean, so, you know, God doesn't mind us having things. He minds things having us. And that's the problem we enter into many times. But I'm telling you, this hour right now we're living in, I, I hope you're hearing these words today by the Spirit. We are called to take our seats, not disqualified by your weaknesses. Those seats are filled with people with weaknesses. Boy, I can't say that one enough. So many times we just disqualify ourselves because we don't feel like we got it together. But those seats are seated. You were not a people who had, you know, been chosen, but now you're chosen. You hadn't obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. That means you were a mess. Let me put it in common English. God took you in and says, you're the kind of priest I could use. You're the kind of priest I could use. You know what, you know what mess looks like. You can help me find mess in other people but not in a critical way, with a heart of mercy, with a heart of salvation, a heart of redemption, you who've received this grace. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 12, I'm sorry, verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Paul speaking, he says, Grace be to you and peace. Oh, I love that word. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all of our tribulation. Here's the reason, obviously, because he loves us, but look at what he says, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. 
by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So here it's real clear, isn't it? Paul says, you know, I'm reaching out to you guys. I want you to know the God of grace and the God of peace, right? Uh, who has comforted us, comforted us in all of our troubles so that we would have the goods to comfort others in trouble. So let me put it to you like this. You're saying maybe, Pastor, you know, I really would love to get focused on the stuff you're talking about, but my life is so crazy right now. I'm talking to somebody. Please open your ears this morning and hear this. My life is so crazy right now that I, I'm just, I'm not available. <laughs> and hey, here's what I hear God saying. Did you know what? That all of your troubles are the absolute stage for your ministry. Because in your troubles, God wants to comfort you in such a way that you'll be qualified to comfort others. So if you can take your current troubles and see it as the school of God, as opposed to the thing you're just trying to get rid of, yes, God wants you to get rid of them, but he wants to be the one to get rid of them for you so that you'll have the answer for others because the only thing that's going to get rid of their problems is the same God that you're going to experience in your trouble. Should I say that differently or did you get it? Your trouble is the stage for your encounter with God. And if you'll let God in and let God have his way and you'll go ahead, let him comfort you, let him, let him steer your ship through the mess, let him get you where you need to be, in that you are qualified to comfort others with the same comfort you've been comforted with. So, heading into this new year, a priesthood of believers, a 21-day period of fasting and prayer, which is not just going to be one little bleep on the radar. I believe it's a culture God's creating more and more of here in this local church and throughout the world. People who get it. Here's our function, you know. We're called to the presence of God. We're called to catch God's heart. And then we're called to be those who are carrying that heart toward others in a time. Living water flowing to a world that's in desperate need and no one is disqualified from participating because you're not quote unquote spiritual enough Jesus. come unto me you who have no money and buy Isaiah says come unto me you who have nothing on your own you're just the person I'm looking for because in an empty vessel I can fill up with myself in a vessel that's full, I got to empty you. I got to dump you out. You know, I got to let you go through a bunch of stuff so you'll get outside of your own self and into God. And if you were to read this chapter, which we won't do today, you'd find this out. Paul says, we went, I, 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 I could tell you about all the trouble we had in Asia. Terrible mess. And he says, but you know, in the midst of all that, we learn not to trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. That's what he says. So, you're in school. You're priest. You're getting ready to be used by God in a new way, powerful way, a new level of this role in this ministry. And I believe the reason many of you have been going through what you've been going through is to this end. God is comforting you so that you can comfort others. God is giving you his heart. There's those of you who've been here who've failed You've fallen into sin. You've, 
you've, you've skinned your knees pretty bad. Maybe you've been off the road here for a little bit. Guess what? God is extending mercy to you. Not just so you'll, not, you know, you'll escape judgment, so that you'll receive that mercy personally because He loves you, but you'll also be qualified to help others who are in such. Let us boldly come to the throne of grace that we might find help, grace, and mercy. How are you going to find it? Well, I found it for myself. I'm going to find it for some others too. So much more time does not permit. Two more quick thoughts. Quick is a relative term, but I, I'm going to stick to the traditional definition of quick. Okay? I am. I'm, gonna, I'm really going to do my best. You know, it's like preaching is like eating. It could even be good food, but so much is so much and you're done. When you're full, you're full. And again, it could be bad food and when you're full, you're full. But you know, I get it. can only handle so many ideas at one time. As they say, the mind can only handle what the rear end can endure. <laughs> You've never heard that? And, but that's why we gave you cushy seats. Come overseas with us. <laughs> They'll sit on the ground for hours. A lot, of, a lot of Western preachers go overseas on a missions trip and they shoot out their best message and people go, is that all you got? They'll have walked for days, some of them. And many preachers find themselves kind of naked spiritually. And God's changing that. I believe that. So for your sake today, on your cushy seat, <laughs> no, just hear these last couple of ideas. I think they're, they'll help us as we get positioned. God willing, next week I'm going to carry this theme a little further forward and get us ready for the month that we're heading into. As a part of getting ready, one thing I hope you see is that your circumstances right now do not disqualify you. They're qualifying you. Your troubles and your afflictions are the platform for the comfort of God and that's going to help you comfort others in times to come. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24 is an interesting verse. It says, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands which are the figures of the true but he's entered into heaven itself. And then it says this about Jesus. Now, right now, to appear in the presence of God for us. So right now, Jesus has entered into that heavenly place and he's appearing before the Father on our behalf. So he's appearing in the presence of God as a perpetual witness of our salvation. He's there right now on our behalf. One day the Lord spoke this to me because we were really loving the presence of the, God, presence of the Lord. You know, we come in, we worship. And you can tell, I don't know how, I, I guess I do, I know how it is for you. If you're, if you're a believer and you're hungry, you can feel the presence of God when it comes in the room. I can. My spirit starts leaping. I just feel him walk into the room, you know. 
And so we were in a season where I was just really enjoying the presence of the Lord. My spirit was just like, oh God, you're so beautiful. Thank you for being here today. Such a personal way. And the Lord brought this verse to me that Jesus appears in the presence of God for us. And God was saying, what would you think about appearing in my presence on behalf of others? I'm talking about a priesthood of believers. So that as we come to worship the Lord, and yes, we're so personally blessed in that place. But it's got to get beyond just us being blessed. God, I want to appear in your presence on behalf of somebody who's not in your presence. I want to appear in your presence on behalf of that loved one or that coworker or that person I know who's dying or whatever it is. I want to appear, God, in your presence, around your throne, so we're going to carve out, as I said, times of worship. But it's not just, Lord, my foreign no more. It's God as we're coming to you. This has got to be more than the traditional let me get my fix Christianity. Jesus. This has got to get beyond that. It's got to get to a place where we know who we are, that we're loved and we're forever blessed and covered in God. And as we come like priests before the Lord, we're there on behalf of other people to stand in the gap for them. Now, to appear in the presence of God on behalf of someone else. Let that be our testimony. The last thought is this. It's the same picture, same idea. But the priest of old, now this was Aaron's priesthood. You know, the high priest, which was a picture of Christ, had a certain garment, right? And on that garment, they actually, this was at God's direction, that's how they made this garment, they put uh, like a breastplate of a sort that had, the 12, had 12 stones, precious stones, representing each of the tribes of the nation of Israel on the priest garment, okay? And as the priest would come into the most holy place, which I believe is a picture of the throne, by the way, it's called the mercy seat. The mercy seat, where God said, there I will meet with you. I will speak with you there. I will, I will commune with you there at the mercy seat. But as this high priest, a picture of Jesus, would come in, he had on him, right, the representation of each of the tribes so that as he came, he came on behalf of them into the presence of God. Now I say all of that because even though the Aaronic priesthood has gone away, it carried certain pictures and types that are now absolutely appropriate in our priesthood as believers. And in that place, we carry certain people with us. We do. We carry. Now we're not the high priest, but I have to say the nature of the priesthood is that of carrying people. And right now, heading into this new season, January 10th, if you listen, I believe the Lord's going to show you who it is He's calling you to carry into this place we're heading into. You got all your troubles and your trials? Guess what? Good news, God of comfort's going to meet you, qualify you to be a, a faithful priest in that place. You got a bunch of people in your life, some you like, some you don't. I could at least get an amen from somebody. I got, I think, one there. But you got some. And, and the real question is, God, why are these people in my life now? And God, why am I in this situation now? 
You know why? Because you're a priest called to be a part of a priesthood, a team of priests throughout the whole world who are standing in the gap. And your assignment, it's so practical, God has cut this thing down where you've got some you're carrying, you've got some you're carrying, you've got some you're carrying, everybody's got some they're carrying. And that together, as we come before the Lord, people are going to find real help and grace in time of need. Your ministry counts. Paul told Timothy, and I'm done. Timothy, give yourself fully to your calling. By doing this, you will save yourself, Greek word sozo, not meaning like earn your salvation, but you're going to basically uh, receive your reward, and others. Others. Obadiah verse 21 says, Saviors, plural, shall appear on Mount Zion. Do you know there's people hanging on your priesthood? That's not a guilty, heavy thing. That's just, I've got to have you know, it's time to wake up. It's time to be about the Father's business. It's time to get past, you know, our, our um, well, ourselves. <laughs> get into God. Let's stand and pray together this morning. I tell you, I'm excited about the Lord's work. We're going to put our brooms together. If you weren't here for that, don't worry about it. Father, I want to thank you today that we were born for such a time as this. Just like Esther of old, you've called us for such a time as this. God, I thank you for, again, untangling us from all those other things, those distractions that would keep us from answering the call. I thank you, Lord, that those voices that would say that we'll be satisfied somewhere else that are lies, Lord, I thank you those voices are exposed for what they are. Lord, I ask today that as we begin to listen to your Holy Spirit about the people around us and the circumstances around us, that we would see how they're all working to this end to help us be better at our ministry calling as priest with you. I thank you for making us make a difference in the lives of others. We commit ourselves to you in these next few weeks as we gear up and we prepare our lives to be effective in Jesus' name. Amen.